welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. So today we're going to continue our series on transitioning to leadership and management. We're going to be focusing today on managing and leading others. And we have with us a former guest, Dr. Marlene Thorne. Now, if you haven't already listened to Dr. Thorne's episode, I highly suggest that you go back and listen to it. But today, Marlene is going to be talking to us specifically about managing and leading others. So Marlene, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back, Ernst. Marlene, I'm, I'm really grateful to you and the others for doing this series. I think it's really important, especially for new and transitioning leaders, to really learn about some of the things that are necessary and required when you have to lead and manage other people. But the question I always want to start with is why? Why is that an important thing in this case? Well, I think it's an important thing because I think often there's an assumption that you get promoted and it's just the same job with greater pay. Mm -hmm. And when you are having to lead and manage others, there are different elements that need to be considered. Um, And rather than learning by the seat of your pants, Mm -hmm. which is often (laughs) the case, There are some general guidelines and studies that approach it in a more systematic way. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just not all trial by error, although that tends to happen, so happen on a day-to-day basis anyway. But at least there's a, a framework from which to try and trial and error, you know, back and forth and improve upon yeah, I, I really appreciate that response. I remember when I was first learning to be uh, a manager, when I first started managing people, I had no training. No one no one talked to me and told me about the ins and outs and even presented with me a framework from which to work. So it was a lot of trial and error, and I will say it was a lot of error on my part before I actually figured it out. So I really appreciate the concept of having a framework that new, especially new leaders can, can, uh, can latch onto. Right. And in our case, as psychologists, um, there was no place Mm -hmm. to go to get a framework. And so you really did have to make a concerted effort to go to places like AMA or training and development Mm -hmm. or human resource management. But you weren't facing some of the same complications as psychologists, as some other managers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we wanted to be the go-to place uh, using general management principles applied uh, to our profession. Mm -hmm. But they they are general management principles that are applied to almost all professions. Yes. They just have uh, application maybe slightly different depending on the business that right. one's in. Right. And I think the, the concept of when you're managing and leading people, regardless of the industry or the business, you're managing and leading people. And that remains pretty yeah. consistent. And I think this is where, especially yeah. as psychologists, we have that expertise in human behavior and, and understand that behavioral sciences. So it really is like a good place, I think, to get that. So Marlene, I'm going to let you jump right in. So what are the things that we really need to be focusing on as, as new managers and leaders of other people? Well, and I think within the series of um, the components of this training program that we've been doing, one is beginning to reflect on yourself as an individual. Mm -hmm. 
um, and who are you and um, how are you presenting yourself as a leader? And that that gets done firstly mm-hmm. uh, to understand a bit more about oneself as a leader and reflect on that. And in the module of leading and managing others, it really takes what do you know about yourself mm-hmm. and have learned and then what is it that you need to consider as you are leading others um, and some some guidelines there. And one of the big things that I have found is that um, individuals have some difficulty believing that as a manager and a leader, mm-hmm. they have rights and obligations. Mm. So in the leading and managing others, we kind of start out with um, what are some things that are successful in terms of you, what you do mm-hmm. that you can then implement in leading others? And what are some challenges about yourself that are going to hinder leading others? How do, how, how do you interfere with yourself in leading others? Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking a look at what kind of mistakes managers make. Um, and that's an always interesting open-ended discussion. But most people come up with favoritism, talking about one staff member to another, um, not supporting your manager, um, not seeing the big picture of an organization and just your little segment, uh, not analyzing problems in greater depth. That's one of the things that I think is real critical um, is to take the time to analyze a problem, whether it's a staff member problem or an organizational problem, insufficient with uh, sufficient depth to come up with some solutions with in partnership with that staff member or with your boss. Um, So we really try to do some in-depth discussion around that. Um, So it sounds like you start first with making sure that you're understanding yourself and some of your tendencies and some of the things that might get in your way in terms of leading and managing others. And then you go more generally to some of the some of the things that are generally well known in terms of some of the, the challenges that managers and leaders face in general. Am I understanding that correctly? Correct. And and we did a survey that really uh, prior to developing the course, we did a survey across. Um, they were psychologists, but they were across private sector, mm-hmm. uh, nonprofit, government, academia, and got some solid information about the problems that they face. And I won't go through the entire study, but across all those sectors, um, the two biggest and the two most frequent discussions of difficulties were people issues Mm. and financial issues. Now, at the time in which study was done, there was some financial problems going on in the world, Um, but that seems to go up and down as in cycles anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but those people problems uh, were consistently a high point. How to manage them, how to lead them, same issues. How mm-hmm. do I get 
the most at? How do I empower them? How do I develop them? How do I recruit them? How do I fire them? <laughs> um, how do I get them to, to live up to the performance expectations mm-hmm. that I have? Those were pretty across the board issues um, that we wanted to address, um, at, particularly in the segment that, that I trained to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is always an interesting discussion. It never fails. Um, the people issues are often the reason why they took the class. Yeah, and I think given what we know, especially about transitioning from um, just leading yourself to leading others, that that can be very challenging. As you mentioned, it it can be challenging just leading yourself. And when you have to lead a whole group of of people who are all different in their own ways, that can be extremely challenging. Right. And and one of the things that comes up frequently from new men, I like for, um, and I believe that somebody has to sit in that supervisory management leadership position for a good five to six months to get the sense of what they know and what they don't know mm-hmm. um, that motivates them to want to learn how to improve their own performance in this area. Um, and one of the issues that comes up pretty consistently was I was a, I was a staff member doing the same job of people that I now have to supervise. Yeah. How do I manage my previous coworkers? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mistake of trying to act like you are still a coworker mm. rather than a, a, a manager with a different level of responsibility now. So that can be really it hard makes for, it for them. Particularly harder if you badmouthed managers when you were a coworker. <laughs> <laughs> that's always an embarrassing yeah. situation to be in. And that gets brought up. And now you're on the other side because you're the manager on the, on the other side. Right. I think part of that. they're talking about you. Yeah. I think part <laughs> of that for me when I've seen that before is, is how, how do they adjust the relationship that they've had with their coworkers in this new right. role as a manager? Because there's definitely that, um, there's a definitely a different relationship there and, and there's definitely a different power dynamic there. Right. And one of the ways I like um, to get them to address that in this course is by teaching, um, you know, laying out a framework, um, which really comes in with uh, pretty much a normal framework of developing your goals, Mm -hmm. you know, executing and, and kind of a whole feedback loop on where, you know, how are we doing against the plan that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps um, because I always like to say the best thing you can do is have an expectation setting meeting as a new supervisor, as a new manager, or as a manager that's moved from one um, department to another department. Um, is you are different as an individual manager or leader And they need to know, the staff, that these are your expectations. Mm -hmm. And while they may have had a different manager leader, you need to articulate how you will manage Mm. uh, and set those expectations. And that can be done as an early manager or as, you know, one that's just moving up to supervise coworkers. 
that you have to have that open discussion. Now, when you say open discussion, because I think one of the things that can be challenging and when you're first becoming a leader and manager, discussion doesn't necessarily mean that, um, you know, that the that your team gets to choose. Right. I mean, I think you come in with with what you want and be very clear about that. Am I understand that correctly? Right. 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 Uh, you as a leader, one hopes will have thought through how you're going to manage, mm-hmm. why you took the position. Maybe it's also a uh, problematic section with a problematic employee or two. So it's a good idea to have set some plans and expectations mm-hmm. prior to having that meeting. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, it's not. Um, it's about you setting those expectations. It's not. Tell me what you want me to do. Okay, so so start with the ex- expectation meeting, setting the expectations for 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 your team for your staff. How do you get them to live up to those expectations? Well, then those are those are the opening remarks to a whole group. Mm-hmm. But then you have to meet with each individual um, staff member. Oh, okay. And set up, you know, a plan with them, an expectation meeting. You know, what are their goals? What are their aspirations? What is it that you need for them to do? And that's where. Um, And part of this course, it talks about the rights and the obligations Mm -hmm. of managers and rights and obligations of staff. And I won't go through all of those, but for example, the manager has an obligation in their role to set those expectations Mm -hmm. and to have their staff member understand how their performance will be measured against Mm -hmm. those expectations. Mm -hmm. And then the manager has the right to provide feedback around that performance and around the goals that have been set. And that's for different components. On the flip side of that, the subordinate also has an obligation to input, to ask questions of Mm -hmm. the manager Mm -hmm. and a right to provide feedback to the manager when they're unable to meet certain expectations. Mm -hmm. And I'll throw out just an example. Um, I can't meet the expectation for that deadline because my other team member isn't providing me on uh, the information I need in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I can't provide it to you. Because that may mean an intervention by the manager. Right. So that kind of ongoing, the right to provide and the obligation to provide input to the manager uh, and feedback is on the subordinate side as well as the manager's side. Mm -hmm. And there are other components of that, but that's just one example of setting it up. And that seems to be an eye opener uh, for some people. I think this is this is a really interesting thing that you're you're identifying here that I think most people don't don't recognize because I think a lot of leaders might think okay I need to have that uh, ground setting discussion with the team but then you're also saying you need to have that on an individual level and and the structure of that discussion is making sure that you're clear about what your obligations are as a as a leader and a manager 
and, and your rights as a leader and manager, but also letting the employee understand that they have obligations and rights as well. Right. And, and it gives you the opportunity to um, know the individual's uh, career goals, their interests, um, and that then can be built in to other components of feedback that should be occurring all year long, not just uh, at the end of the year on a performance appraisal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work well that way. Um, Right. You have that that right to give that feedback on an ongoing basis so that the employee understands if they're they're not meeting expectations earlier than rather than just wait towards the end. That's correct. And that's then that's the whole sets out the whole process of performance management, which um, there's a framework for. Mm -hmm. Generally, it's stage one. It's just this gentle, ongoing general management of expectations, execution, feedback, and not just um, the what's wrong, mm-hmm. what's going wrong, what needs to be improved, but what's going right. Mm. And that's the that positive reinforcement and positive feedback um, should generate more of that behavior, as you know, with as a psychologist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you, it's not always understood by managers. Like, well, of course they ought to be doing that. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you can be amazed at what people don't know. Yeah. And that subordinate doesn't know. And that reinforcing, letting them know that they're doing the right thing, and and that encouragement to keep to keep doing it. I think that's one of the things that a lot of leaders and managers miss because they're just so busy focusing on what's not going well and and what's wrong and what needs to be fixed, that they don't always focus and encourage their employees on the things that they are doing right and giving them that right. positive feedback. Right. And and that's that's an that's a critical point of building the good relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's money in the bank. So when you do have to provide corrective feedback, mm-hmm. um, that too is taken as, as a good thing. Uh, you've got a relationship that's already being built. And if you can provide the positive when you need to provide the corrective, um, it's more trustworthy, mm-hmm. it's more balanced. Yeah. Um, they not only hear bad things from you, they also know that you're also looking at some of the, the good things as well. Right. So that's part of also uh, the, the training that we have to do. And I always say, at least with psychologists, these are things that that is part of their training. Mm-hmm. They then need to learn, well, how do you put it into practice as a business mm-hmm. when things are going wrong, when that behavior isn't improving? And are you going to be able to do the tough things? Um, and that's always, uh, that's a different kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, having worked in all of those sectors myself, at different times in my career, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're working with accountants, uh, computer techs, economists, uh, and the other was television and uh, television. That mm-hmm. that's a different that's yeah. a different whole animal of people in communications. Um, a co- confronting the hard people issues. Mm-hmm or a hard coworker issue or managers to manager in conflict 
situations um, is really interesting. And for that, uh, again, just like learning about self is how do you handle conflict? What is your conflict mode? Mm -hmm. And I use an assessment for that too. That's generally pretty revealing. You, you would know it. Um, the Thomas Kilman conflict mode, uh, there are no bad ways. It's just, you have to analyze the situation and ensure you're using the correct or not the correct, but the best, mm -hmm. uh, conflict mode, um, resolution to solve this, that particular problem. Um, and that's always an interesting discussion. Uh, you know, am I, am I really competitive? Is that what's standing in the way? Am I really too collaborative? Do mm -hmm. I give in too much? Um, do I compromise too much and don't get what my staff need? Mm -hmm. it, it's, um, I always find it a fascinating uh, discussion. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that when you're talking about conflict, I've seen this a few times, I've seen this a lot of times actually, is you have managers who don't like conflict and will try their very best to avoid conflict. And that ends up that they avoid having necessary discussions. And so I think right. that's one of the things that that is very helpful to, to managers and leaders to recognize that conflict is one of those things that can actually be helpful and can be productive. It doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Right. I call it the joy of conflict because <laughs> it, it, it actually, if one can manage conflict in a positive way, mm -hmm. the outcome is generally creative. Um, the avoidance of conflict, particularly when it occurs with people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've seen this over and over. It was a large part of my job to help managers uh, and department heads and vice presidents to um, manage poor performance. Mm -hmm. And they may have avoided something they saw very early on and they avoid it for a year. They give the written performance appraisal and they avoid it for another year. Mm -hmm. And suddenly the end result of avoidance is you get angry. There's no change. Yeah. And that's not helpful. Um, so learning some other ways of handling conflict mm -hmm. uh, and managing that is um, painful in some ways to people who are really into one mode of conflict management, avoiding yeah. or competing, you know, way on the other end um, can be very painful to, to practice some other uh, methods, but it's really, um, it's a component of learning how to lead others. Yeah. And when I say lead others, it's not just always subordinates, it's your peers, your other managers, mm -hmm. and you're managing up. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great thought as well. When we're, when we're talking about leading and managers, you're not just managing your, your employees. You When you get promoted and you become a supervisor, you've also got to manage your other, your other uh, supervisors that you work with and your boss, right? I think, especially when you're in middle management, it always feels like you're being squeezed from both sides. And you are. <laughs> you are. And I think um, Dee uh, will talk to that point because mm -hmm. she deals with leading the business mm -hmm. and the component of, you know, managing up. Yeah. Um, and um, 
you know, you may need to manage up differently than you manage down or mm-hmm. around. Yeah. So um, it, it's a lot to try to get through in three modules, but it does hit on um, important aspects for uh, new leaders in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you when you do this, what are some of those aha moments that that a lot of times employees will will I mean new, new leaders will will land upon through the course of the module? Mm-hmm. One of the ahas is oh, you mean I really need to manage performance? <laughs> you know, I may need to go through the painful stages of documenting performance. Yeah. Um, so. While the first stage of this performance um, process is, you know, what I call the normal, you give feedback, positive, corrective, and it corrects and it just performance gets better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it doesn't, it leads you to stage two, which are those difficult conversations. Yeah. And those are the difficult conversations that need to be documented. And that usually makes people choke. Yeah. Oh, I got to document it. Uh, I got to put it down on paper. I got to give a copy to the staff member. Yeah. So there are instances where um, that kind of a written dot, you know, people want to hear what they want to hear and they can dismiss it, but having it in black and white, um, allows people to, to, to take it in mm-hmm. and you want to do it in a way that they then can come back and discuss it. Um, so you don't want to shut it down. You want to keep that avenue. But we all know that if it ends in termination, which at some point it may, yep. you have to have that documentation. Yeah. And um, you need help on that. You need to talk to your HR. You need to talk to your lawyers. You need to be sure you're doing the process correctly. That makes people real uncomfortable. Mm. But it's an aha where, okay, now I know what I'm really into. Mm -hmm. Because after six months, they already have a pretty good indication of who's performing and who isn't in their team. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lawyer tell me you need to document everything. You have the conversation and then you document it. Even if it's on a piece of paper, you need to document everything because you never know if that, that becomes a contentious issue, you need to be able to doc- show that you've documented it and had those discussions. Right. And, and um, the, even, the document, uh, even the documentation is touchy. So I always suggest to new managers, new leaders, um, that they have whatever they've written reviewed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a serious and you can generally feel it as a manager. Right. You want to have that reviewed by your HR people mm-hmm. or by your lawyer. At some yeah. point, it's just not sufficient to have your HR people. You need to, who, who is your administrative lawyer? Right. Um, and I, I've seen some things written that would, you know, uh, put the leader in a bad place. Hmm with the law rather than the individual it's being written about. That's a really so good point. It is, yeah. You have to be very objective. It's got to be very performance. It's got to be very specific. Mm-hmm. You can't deal with, well, I feel like he's just, yeah. you know, you not showing up because he doesn't want to. 
yeah. or, you know, and that's the kind of stuff people have written. So, you know, we, we talk about that. We don't get, we can use a couple specific examples, but it's all written in the course, mm-hmm. um, you know, the steps and who they may need to document and send copies to. And, um, but it's all toward furthering positive performance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and changed and improved performance. Um, but if it doesn't, you've got to have that documentation. Mm-hmm. We go through work objectives, learning objectives, how to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a number of ahas. But One of the ones I, that I've had when I've, when I've talked to leaders and managers about this is the realization of how much time it's going to take them to do this work. You know, sometimes people think like they'll be able to do their, their regular technical work as well as just, you know, the management leader, just something on top of that. And a lot of times they, they have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is going to take me a lot of time to have these conversations, follow up with these individuals, make sure everyone's doing what they're doing. So the, the realization of the amount of time that's required at this level for leading and managers is sometimes a big aha moment. Well, it's um, less time if you're doing it ongoing Mm. than if it becomes a real problem. Uh, And then it is time, but the time is well invested if the performance turns around. Mm. Um, And if it's, if one doesn't do the time with the individual performer, then the workload comes back on the manager anyway. Yeah. Because somebody's got to get that work done. Uh, And um, the time you spend developing the staff members is time you don't have to either do the work or what I call punish another employee by overloading a good employee Mm. with lots of extra work. Yeah. And that can be seen as punishing to your best employees mm. over time. Not initially, right? but if you're uh, giving the best assignments and the work that needs to be done to one person, rather, and it needs two, yeah. the one that's doing it is not going to be happy camper. And that happens a lot, right? When someone shows that they, are, they can be trusted with the work, they end up a lot of times with more work. That's right. That's right. And that is your negative reinforcing the good, positive performer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you're giving them all the work. So I always say it's time well invested for the manager. Um, But it is something one has to learn as a leader. You have to split your time now over reviewing the technical work uh, and reviewing the work of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marley, I, I, this is such interesting work. I know we can't get through everything in the short amount of time because there's just so much work and that, that, that goes into this. Uh, how do people follow up if they want to follow up with you and, and with, uh, with the conversation and learn a little bit more? What would you recommend? Well, I think we said this before, you know, it's uh, feel free to email me directly. Mm-hmm. Um And, um, you know, I'm happy to share. I I would like to say to to leaders that one of my favorite books that I handed out 
to many a manager and a leader um, was uh, one called um, by Mager, Mager and Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, analyzing performance problems. You really got to want to. And I think it's in its eighth, ninth edition by now. It's a little handbook mm-hmm. and it's very telling on helping to lead individuals mm. to figure out if it's a training problem mm-hmm. or if it's a performance problem or a motivation problem and um, or a technical problem in terms of uh, inability to, to um, use technology in the way it needs to be used. So I, I want to recommend that book, mm-hmm. but in terms of getting in touch with me, I'm, I'm pretty open uh, to um, generally an email and setting up a conversation. I want to say on this kind of a course for new managers mm-hmm. and new leaders, um, and I think it's critical at the six month stage um, to give new leaders tools Mm -hmm. is as part of this, what we do is we do also a follow-up coaching Okay. up to two or three times. If someone has a real problem that they're trying to tackle or wants more information, Mm -hmm. we are, we've always been happy to follow up and coach um, and get them through that hump of trying to apply these skills Mm uh, and and assist, yeah, uh, and that I think has been very appreciative. I think that's so important, right? Because I think because as we talked about, managers and leaders, especially new ones, are are so critical and have such a critical role. They really need the the support themselves, especially as they're right. starting out. So I think that that additional coaching support is extremely important. Right. Okay, and so one Marlene? Would hope that, I just want to say one would hope their leader if they have a new staff member, a new mm-hmm. manager, that their leader would offer that to them. Yes. That kind of coaching down to, to get them on um, sure footing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as a new supervisor, new yeah. manager. Especially for brand new ones. Absolutely. Right. Right. So Marlene, I always want to end with uh, asking for a tip, you know, so I'm going to ask for a tip specifically for, for those new leaders and managers. We've got the book recommendation. What other tip would you give for new leaders and managers that are trying to find their footing? Uh, take a good course. Take a good introductory to leadership course. Mm-hmm. There are many out there. Uh, they may even be within their own organization. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes it's better to go out so you're out with other managers Mm. and it's not just, you know, in your backyard and you can go, oh my gosh, this happens in other organizations. Maybe I better listen up. Yeah. Um, But, but there, I would look for the best and they're out there. Center for Creative Leadership has some great ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know Harvard does depending on the leadership uh, levels. Um, so I, I can only recommend don't sit there and worry about it. Mm-hmm. Go find out about it and practice it. Yeah. Get help. I think that's one of the things that I, I, I really appreciate about this as I, as I continue to learn more about uh, this is is there are so many resources out there for, for right. new leaders and managers. And, and a lot of times they just end up floundering, but there's ways in which they can get help. And so I really appreciate this advice from you. Right, right. 
All right. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, hope I encourage everybody to hear about the three components of the course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's working for our group of people. Uh, and I, you know, I just highly encourage others to, to take the step and learn a little bit more about it. Yeah. I think this is such a, a great series just because it does expose you know, the, the three, the three elements, right. Leading yourself, leading, managing others and then leading and managing the business, which gives that nice framework for, especially for new leaders and, and transitioning leaders to, to get a sense of what are the things that I need to be focusing on and how do I, how can I be successful at this? So I really appreciate uh, you and, and the others you know, engaging and giving your time for this series. And thanks so much, Sharon. It's, it's great opportunity. So. Well, thanks again for for coming on the show. And to our listeners, we hope you will join us next time.